Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Last week, uh, we looked at two, two passages in Matthew. And this week, we're going to continue uh, to look at passages, passages of Scripture that give explanation to the anointing. We have two main passages or scriptures in this teaching that we're using just kind of as uh, general text. Isaiah 10, 27 says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Some statements that we've made concerning the anointing. The anointing is the ability and power of God within and upon the believer. The anointing is the power of God or the Holy Spirit in operation in the earth. We know from Acts 10.38 that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about, or sorry, with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were, who were oppressed by the devil. How many of you know that God is the healer, the devil is the oppressor? Okay, now don't get that confused, because if you do, the enemy will be able to uh, defeat you in areas of your life. In other words, if bad or oppression is coming, and you blame God, the devil has you deceived. If oppression is coming because the scripture says oppression is of the devil, and you assign it to the devil and you know that you have an anointing from the Lord to be able to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will. Now, you need to say this. I'm anointed, and the devil flees from me. (laughs) Now, that's somewhat what Ryan was hitting on there um, about the Spirit of God. That's the the enemy. Now, Now, sometimes people don't, they, they think because there's not an instantaneous that it isn't working. But remember, we're walking by faith, not by sight. Now, that's not a catch verse because uh, we just need people to hold out because the word doesn't work. It's a spiritual principle that you, you should realize that it is through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. Now, as spirit-filled believers, and I'm not opposed to any of this. I mean, I've seen it happen multiple times uh, in other ministries, but even in, in my own. But we've laid hands on people and seen instantly the enemy get wiped in a situation and removed. And we all like that. But that's not how it always works. At some point in my spiritual development... I have to take responsibility for what is written in the scriptures to me personally concerning my operation or my walk of faith. At some point, I have to go, you know what? The Lord has empowered me. I'm not going to count on the guest minister to get everything for me. Now, I'm going to make a statement that is going to offend some, but I'm I'm pre-telling you so that you can avoid being offended. The gifts in the body of Christ are for the body of Christ, but they are not a substitute for individual spiritual development. Amen. 
I can pray with you concerning your situation, and I've watched this happen so many times through the years, uh, especially in youth ministry and stuff like that. Of course, kids are younger, but adults, adults can do it too. We, we're just as good as teenagers sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, and, and somebody can get some relief in a situation, but they won't take the time to have fellowship with the Lord outside of that meeting or special meeting or church service. And what ends up actually taking place is you get relief because there's a coming together where I'll use my authority in conjunction with you and we'll run the enemy off. But then if you go back into the same pattern of how you were living and don't allow the spiritual development of sanctification to take place in your own life, how many know if you leave the gate open, the dog's going to continue to come into your yard and use it as the toilet? Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Don't think that's too far off. Because Proverbs talks about a dog going back to its own vomit. The picture is disgusting, I know. I get that. But if you saw in the spirit what evil spirits are, you'd be disgusted. Um, Jesus called them unclean. Have you ever been in an environment that is not clean? Is there a smell associated with that? In the spirit, there's a smell associated with that stuff. It, it has unclean things are confusing. Have you ever been in someone's house and they just don't keep it clean? Everything's everywhere. It's hard to rest. Well, spiritually, it's the same way. That's a byproduct of a spiritual thing. Unkept things in the natural are a byproduct of unkept things in the spirit. So I went to Rama, and Brother Hagin used to say things like this to us. He'd say, I know how spiritual, I, I can figure out how spiritual you are by looking in your dresser or your closet. If everything's just a mess, what you are on the outside came from somewhere. Now, this can be conflicting because we know we're born again. So what is the internal issue? It's not spiritual, it's soul. What do you mean by that? I mean that your mind, my mind, has not been renewed or transformed to the reality of who I am in Christ. And this is how the enemy can perpetually trip up a believer. And it's frustrating because you know you're free. But yet you feel like, which is in the soul realm, or you think like, which is in the soul realm, it's in the mind, will, and emotions, that you can't get free. So really it's not seeking the Lord for deliverance. It's actually seeking the Lord for an answer or understanding concerning what Christ has already accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection. And so when we allow the word of God to renew how we think, to line up with who we are in Christ, we actually are empowered, we actually find out we're already empowered to overcome the thing that seems to be overcoming us. Now this is the long explanation of what Ryan just said. Okay, by the Spirit of God, all right? It's the long explanation, but 
in the series in, that we're in on the anointing, why read about how the anointing affected particular situations? So that I and you can understand that we have an anointing from the Lord and the results that the Lord got, we should get. Now, I'm gonna, mostly what I'm reading is like healings, miracles, deliverances, stuff like that. But this principle applies to the fruit of the Spirit. It applies to your marriage. It applies to the raising of your children. It applies to your business. It applies to your employer-employee relationships. It applies to your relationship to the government. It applies to your relationship to the world or the systems of the world that we function in. If we as believers don't function or walk in the anointing, or as the scripture says, walk in the spirit, then we actually hinder the flow of resurrection power from operating in every area of our lives. Amen. And so people say, well, uh, the anointing, that's, you know, that's like uh, some old word that they used to use in the church because we don't use that word anymore. Well, I've found out that most of the old words in here are better than the new words. I like them better. Well, you know, people, people uh, you know, they have different words. I know they do, and I, that's fine. They can have it. But I'll make the old ones new again. <laughs> what I found out about the Lord is he doesn't go, well, it's a new generation, so salvation is going to come a new way. He does not. Salvation comes the same way it has always come. Amen? And God changes sometimes. He, he never changes. Which means if Jesus under the anointing ran the enemy off, he's doing it the same way today as he was then. It's no different the biggest issue that you run into with believers and all of us always is, will we do what he did? Will we obey what he said? Amen? Now, that is not spectacular. How many woke, wake up every morning feeling like, yes, I want to obey the word today? I'm talking about in your feelings. Most people are getting out of the bed going, uh. <laughs> I mean, even teenagers who don't have an ache are like, because I, I have them. You know, everybody pretty, you know, so, like one guy said, uh, some people wake up and they say, Lord, good. they say, Lord, it's morning. Good morning, Lord. And some people wake up and say, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> right? The point is, feelings are not the barometer for truth. Most believers live their life as... Uh, uh, not as a thermostat, but a thermometer. They're, they're reacting based on circumstances rather than setting the temperature spiritually. When you've been given authority to set the temperature in your life. 
If the enemy can get you to not believe that, he'll whip you. But if you'll by faith grab hold of the word, no matter how bad it looks, the Lord will get you through. You know what I mean? And so the anointing is important in this. And what did the Lord anoint Jesus to do? He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We saw uh, last week, and I'm, I'm not going to go into all the details of everything we looked at, but we're specifically looking at two particular uh, questions concerning the verses that we're looking at. And we're, we're, we're headed over to Matthew chapter 8. If you're not there already, you're probably already there. We're looking at how did the anointing affect these situations that we're reading. And then we're looking at what action was taken for the anointing to manifest in these accounts. So, Matthew chapter 8, verse number 23. And this is uh, where Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves. Now, that's, there's a whole lot of uh, uh, churches that call this crazy. Did you know that? Well, you don't speak to a weather. I mean, I've seen the videos. I mean, they're so smart, they're smarter than Jesus. It's amazing. I mean, it's impressive. It's a good thing they're going to heaven. So he can correct Jesus, they can correct Jesus' theology when we get there. And, and I know I'm making a joke, but I'm kind of serious. I mean, that's a, little, that's a little arrogant, don't you think? Now, now, I know any truth can be taken to an extreme one way or the other. And we fight for balance around here. But you can't read this and go, no, that we're not supposed to do that. Now, I'm not telling you you can control the weather every day. Would that be interesting? See, my wife wants snow and I don't. (laughs) This is something specific, right? So I understand why theology people or people that are more denominationally driven rather than uh, what we would call maybe the spirit-filled camp I understand why they get upset about it, but you can't throw it out. Theology is built on scriptures. And we can't search through the scriptures and go, I like that one, but I don't like that one. I like that one, but I don't like that one. We have to look at it and allow it to change us. Amen? Okay. So let's look at this. Verse 23. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And it says this, and a great storm uh, or tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves, but Jesus was asleep. So is there a lot of water coming in the boat? A lot of water. It's covered with waves, right? Verse 25. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? You know, it might seem like a, you know, a tough question. I mean, if you and I were in a boat and it's sinking 
and there's a storm, and it's a great storm, not just any storm. It's a great storm, and the boat's sinking, and you're like, we got to do something. And I looked at you and said, why are you so afraid? You could turn around and go, uh, I don't know if you know this, but the water's not supposed to be on the inside of the boat. It's supposed to be on the outside of the boat. But see, this is how natural thinking works. And we're not called to reason our situations naturally. We're called to reason them spiritually. So Jesus' question is not inappropriate. Now apply it to the tempest you're in. Apply it to the storm you're in. Is Jesus going to coddle your fear? He will not. Now, now, now hear me because, <laughs> thank you, Lord. I, and I know how this is because I tend to be human. <laughs> I mean, I exist. Okay, good, we're here. All right, so... My natural response to that would be, Lord, I, I need you to understand where I'm coming from here. We're going to die. And the Lord's response to me is, don't be afraid. Or why are you afraid? Now, why does the Lord, why does the Lord ask that question and why does he make the demand that we move away from fear? Because he knows that if I remain in fear, I stop the anointing. So what does the Lord know? The Lord knows that my deliverance is on the other side of faith, not on the other side of do you see it? So concerning any situation that we're in, our freedom or victory over the circumstance is on the other side of his promise. And we have to choose by faith to engage in that promise. Boy, we are growing right now. I I hope you understand that. I, I know that sometimes, you know, teaching can be a little, you know, steady. But I'm telling you, if you'll get a hold of this, you will wreck the devil's day in your life. You will wreck it. And you'll wreck it in other people's lives. Because what I see from the anointing is this. When it comes, it removes oppression. It removes the activity and the manifestation of the devil and replaces it or restores what was destroyed with the anointing of heaven and restoration of whatever is needed. Because when God gets into the situation, the circumstances in the situation change. Now let's prove it here, okay? Let's prove that. But he said to them, why are you so afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose and he what? the winds and the sea. He rebuked it, right? Now that's weird. Do you know, uh, we don't have any trees on our property because they all blew over or died. Or we cut them down. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but... Um, but what if you showed up at church on Sunday and I was outside cursing one of the trees? <laughs> 
Well, that's one of them weird, spirit-filled, charismaniac churches. How do you know? Well, the pastor was outside talking to a tree. I could say that about Jesus. He spoke to wind and waves or the sea. He spoke to it. You want a fun revelation? He never wanted those things to be destructive because he spoke them into existence at the first. So he's just speaking it back into place. In other words, what? When Adam and Eve sinned, Genesis chapter 3 is the floodgate opening of demonic into the earth. That was when everything went haywire. That was when the enemy had access to what he was supposed to be kept out of. And when that happened, Jesus said, I got to get back into the people and I got to get back into the earth. How did he do it? He did it through himself. And then he reproduced it in us. The disciples understood this to such a degree that the book of Acts is full of situations where people are speaking and laying hands on and doing and administering the word of God through preaching, teaching, and active ministry where they're laying hands, whatever the case may be, to where they are then operating in the same authority and the same uh, avenues that Jesus was an example of to them. They are now doing it and ministering to others. Well, the book of Acts was never supposed to end. Now, I understand that, you know, obviously the book of Acts, the written portion, I get it, that's, that's, end, that's the end of that. But it's continued on. Amen. I mean, we've seen it around here. I've seen it many times. What do you mean? I've seen people born again, book of Acts. I've seen people filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues, book of Acts. I've seen people healed and delivered, book of Acts. And I'm not an apostle. But the scripture says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Turns out I'm a believer. (laughs) So what did Jesus do? He rebuked the winds and the sea. And what does it say? There was a great calm. Verse 27. So the men marveled saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? So what took place? What did the anointing do? The anointing got into a situation that looked deadly to the, to the disciples, and it changed it from deadly to calm. How was the anointing released? Speak. Speak. Jesus spoke to the wind and the sea. Well, the one who created it knows how to get the enemy out of it. All right, let's look at another one. Let's go to Matthew 9. Uh, Verse 1. Now, I could have done Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but we'd never get out of this series. I'd be preaching this at my retirement, which won't exist, by the way. (laughs) Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 says this, Jesus forgives and heals the paralytic. 
This is the kind of the title for this section. So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Now we could stop right here. What is that? That's Jesus releasing through words the power of God or the power of forgiveness to this man. Apparently, this man needed to know he was forgiven. Right? He, he Apparently, this was a hindrance to receiving restoration of the ability to walk. Do you see that? So Jesus says... You're forgiven. Of course, the religious people, they know better. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, I love this. Where did they say it? Did they say it out loud? They said what? This man blasphemes. Verse 4. But Jesus, knowing their... Oh, man. Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? Well, I know which one would be easier for me. Yes, the question, right? Which is easier to say? Can you think of an easier one to say out of the two? (laughs) Right? Your sins are forgiven or arise and walk? Well, which is easier? Your sins are forgiven, right? But I love this. He goes on to say, he says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. So the anointing was released. Now watch, he didn't touch the paralytic. He just said it. Come on, how much power do we have in our words? Now, I'm not saying you can just go around and control everybody. I'm saying when we're in alignment with God and we are in his word and our mind is being renewed to that word and we're fellowshipping with the Father daily, we're fellowshipping and fellowshipping with him and looking at his word, what what happens is faith arises in the heart. And Jesus made this statement. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The reason why Jesus knew what to say, the reason why he knew what to say in every situation is because he said, I always listen to my father and I only do and say what he says and what he does so he's hearing and seeing the father do this and do that so when he walked up to the paralytic or when the paralytic was brought to him he heard the father say tell him he's forgiven and then speak to him that he is to get up and walk Jesus was so in tune that he was asleep in a boat and I guess the water was hitting him too I mean, the waves are crashing over, but he's so in tune with the Father, he's at peace, but the moment he's woken up in a chaotic situation, the first thing that comes out of him is not, oh my goodness, why didn't you wake me up earlier? (laughs) I mean, Jesus is walking in such unity with the Father 
that he has time to instruct them about their fear and turn around and take care of the storm. Don't you think you might do it different? I mean, naturally speaking, wouldn't you kind of go, maybe we should get the storm calmed down and then we can talk about a teaching time. (laughs) But not Jesus. Not the Father. Because he understands what fear can do. Let's look at one more and then we'll... we'll, uh, I want to go. Where do I want to go? Uh... Let's go to uh, let's go to let's stay in chapter nine. Let's go to verse thirty-five. I want to look at this. This is something that I want to see. This is this is called the compassion of Jesus. Jesus is moved with compassion. Verse 35 says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, which is what? Teaching is a release of the anointing. It's a release of the anointing. Don't underestimate the importance of good teaching. I know sometimes in spirit-filled camp we think, Whoa, we want to roll on the floor and jump and shout. Swing from the chandeliers. That's why ours are so high, so you can't swing from them. If you get up that high, you're in the anointing, all right? So, (laughs) they think, well, you know, um, you know, I just need hands laid on me, or I, you know, we we get into areas where we like to be. When actually healing can manifest if you just walk in love. And I'm going to help you with something. Nobody can lay hands on you and make you walk in love. You have to develop that yourself. Amen? So don't underestimate what's taking place right now in your life by hearing the word, hearing the word, hearing the word, hearing the word. I mean, when I was saved, I was, uh, I was a, a, a big mess, which most of us were. You know, not everybody's born, at, born again at birth like my wife. <laughs> in other words, I didn't make good decisions, right? And I got myself into a mess. Well, I would take time. I worked uh, painting and drywall. I would listen to the audio Bible for hours. Chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter. I just put it on and all day, boom, that was good. Next day, boom, that was good. Next day, boom, that was good. And then I'd listen to teaching over and over and over and over. Sometimes I'd listen to one message uh, for five days straight. Just over and over and over again because I felt like I really needed to get that. Well, over time, you don't appreciate it in the moment because honestly, it's not really, teaching is not really that exciting to your flesh. I mean, if you're sitting there listening to your flesh, it's already thinking about lunch. (laughs) It is. Does the preacher know what time the website says the service gets over? Yeah, I put it on there. (laughs) 
<laughs> but in our lives, what's more important than his word? He exalted his word above his own name. The word can do for you what a burrito cannot. <laughs> Who was thinking about burritos? I want a show of hands. Or not. <laughs> I know I was in the spirit on that one. <laughs> Whatever it is. I had a guy text me one time. Or this is when we first started the church. This was a long time ago. We were out at the Boys and Girls Ranch. And, you know, social media, everything's, you know. And I went over, like a good preacher should. <laughs> anyway, I'm teasing you, mostly. All right, so anyway, <laughs> um, I got a message on Facebook. When the Packers are on at noon and the preacher goes long and somebody was on their phone, you know, watching it on the way home. Well, let me help you with something. I don't care about the Packers. And it's not because I'm a Seahawks fan. It's because I don't care about football over this. Last time I checked, they can, you know, last time I checked, I know, I know they, those, those players will do things and they'll go visit people in hospitals and different things like that. They'll do stuff to help the community and all that. But they've never done what Jesus has done. And they never will. And we live in a generation where you can record everything and watch it later. I'm just helping you because the Baptists are already out. <laughs> By the time you get to the restaurant, they'll be gone. <laughs> and you'll get right to your seat. It's true. <laughs> Unless you're a Baptist and you're here, then, well, <laughs> bless you. <laughs> Amen? All right, verse 35. Then Jesus went to all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing what? Every and every among the people. That's a good thing he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> Everyone. Now, don't sit there and think about, well, why don't I have mine yet? No, don't think about that. Look at that and allow the Lord to minister to you who he is. Don't think about what's not. Think about what could be. Amen. But when he saw the multitudes, I love this, he was moved with what? Because they were... Weary and scattered. There's many believers that, that don't realize they're weary and scattered because they just don't stick with the shepherd. I just feel tired and scattered. Well, you should hang out with Jesus. He'll get you strong and focused. Do you see that? I love that. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. But what do we see here? We see that the anointing did what? It removed every sickness and every disease. The anointing, the compassion of God, also motivated the Father to send ministers out to minister to the sheep. We see that the anointing, the power of God through Jesus looked at the, the, the infirmed, the people that had disease and pain, and he did what? He ministered to them and removed that out of their life. Oh, faith is rising. I can, I can sense it. There's something about teaching, and I, I know I, 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 uh, I want to be sensitive to the Lord in everything that we do, but there's something about teaching that if you'll stick with it, if you'll allow the word of God to seed and water and water and water and uproot things that aren't supposed to be there and water and water, you don't realize the significance of what is taking place over a protracted period of time. In other words, you're, you're, it's, it's a longer period of time. Yeah, I'm going down this path and it can seem like, just like you plant something in the natural, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, then all of a sudden, bam, that shoot comes up out of the dirt. And you go, oh, what's that? And your, your life spiritually is designed to go from being born again to 30-fold to 60-fold to 100-fold. Now, I know that's used a lot of times with money. It applies to money in a sense because it, it's actually, what he's talking about is the word of God. So you're actually designed to go from 30% peace to 60% peace to 100% peace. And if you'll take the written word, if you'll take the teaching of the word and you'll meditate it yourself and learn and fellowship with the Lord, you become the Lord's garden and he begins to say, okay, you don't need that anymore. Here, let's put this in its place. Now let's put this here and this here and this here and this here. And you begin to have that word, that, that uh, divine seed that is implanted in you. It breaks out from the soil and you are, even as Psalms puts it, you're like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. And you always bear fruit in season, and your leaf never withers. See, the body of Christ is designed in the earth to be the orchard of heaven. Oh, my. Oh, my goodness. That I had never seen before. But this is what happens when you teach. You find places. We're designed to be the orchard of heaven in the earth. What does that mean? That means that the world, we're, we're, we're supposed to be the, a feeding ground for the lost. Boy. You, I'm telling you, what God is going to do and what he's already doing you just, it just takes a little bit of faith. Open yourself up. 
people say, you know, people look at things, believers, and it's so, it's so, uh, uh, we're not supposed to do it that way. We look so naturally at things. And we're not supposed to. We're not supposed to look at what is and think that was God's will. We're supposed to look at what is, bring it back to the word and go, oh, this is your will. So we're going to change what is. But that takes faith. And ultimately, it takes a dedication of a believer to that truth. Amen? It takes a dedication of that believer to that truth. Knowing the Lord, hearing from him. Well, I have a situation. I just don't know what to do. Then you need to wait on the Lord. Joy, you can come. You need to wait on the Lord until you know what to do. I love passion for the Lord. But you know just zeal won't get it done? Did you know that zeal without knowledge is useless? Now, if you think about this, this means there's an anointing for whatever has been a hindrance to you. It's already there. It's just will we access it. Now, don't hyper-spiritualize that. What do you mean by that? Well, shut everything off. Turn your phone off. Turn every voice off around you. And get with the Lord. Well, I, didn't, it didn't, I waited on the Lord. It didn't come yet. <laughs> Guess what? You need to wait again. Well, it took, it took, let me, I'll say it like this. Is freedom in my situation worth four days of not doing what my flesh wants and waiting before the Lord? Come on, you got to count the cost, right? And people say, well, I'm, I'm not going to earn it. It has nothing to do with earning. It has to do with the fact that we have to get our minds in line with Him. Because many times we're in chaos. There's too much going on. You know all the things that we have today that are supposed to make our life easier? I think we should go back to sending letters. I mean, imagine how different your Facebook post would be. <laughs> that was free. That was just, there was, that's not in the notes at all. Imagine how different your response to something difficult would be if you had to wait several days. You know, can you imagine fighting over snail mail? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, if you're in an argument with somebody and you have to send it via the mail, the post office, then you're waiting for their response and you have time 
to sit before the Lord before you get the response. Imagine how different your response would be. I'm going to venture to guess that 99% of the time you'd stop responding. Because the Lord would say, let it go. But they hurt me. Yeah, they did. Let it go. Well, it's not fair. You don't want to bring up fair with the Lord. He may go, Sean, let's talk about fair. I'd like to rehearse to you what you did before I died for you. Oh, that one might sting a little bit. Better to just let it go. Have you, have you noticed in the scripture it says pray for those who persecute you? <laughs> no, Lord, I want to carpet bomb them. I want, to, I want to get on this social media and that social media and defend myself. Why? The Lord is my defense. Brother Hagen shared with us years ago, he, somebody came into his office and this was before social media and all that stuff. He was down at Rama, and this person had taken out in the city there a full page like ad about how he was a false minister and all this stuff. Full page. And his, one of his staff came in and they're like, we got to do something about this. And he said, no. He said, no, I'm not going to do anything about it. Well, they said this and this, and that's not true. And you don't teach this, and this isn't what, this isn't, he said, no, no, we're not going to respond. And they said, what, what, how, he said, look, he said, I've been criticized by experts. These little spurts don't bother me a bit. (laughs) Why? The Lord is my defense. Besides that, I know far worse things about myself than you'll ever know. And I don't want to get up and air your dirty laundry. I certainly don't want you to do it to me. But I reap what I sow. Oh, we're in it deep. I'm trying to give an altar call. <laughs> are, you, are you seeing what God wants, what he's saying? Do you see it? Just let it go. There's still this, this issue of, of unforgiveness and bitterness. And what you don't realize is it's not hurting the other person. They're not even thinking about you anymore. It hurts you. And nobody is saying that it's not wrong. We know it doesn't take a genius to figure out what's wrong. The solution. So we let it go. If we, we will stop the anointing. If we don't walk in that place of forgiveness, love, gentleness, all those things. We stop the anointing. It's not that it's greater than the anointing. It's just that we're, the Lord has to have our participation. He has to. He has assigned it that way. Amen. I believe we'll have healings in bodies out of this. 
I mean, we've already had the people apply the teaching. We've had many testimonies of people that were healed just on their own. And not even really like a, you know, like they prayed or any, it's just as they're feeding on the word and they're obeying the word, the pain just left. I love that. That's the greatest. Why? Because now you don't even need anybody to lay hands on. You can believe for yourself. But spiritual growth is a must. Amen? It's a must. It's a must. Are you committed to the Lord? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to give people an opportunity to receive Jesus. If you're in here today or watching online and you don't know the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Him. We know that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Scripture says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So the Lord is not condemning you today. The reason why he brings up sin and the nature of sin is because that is what separates us from him. And so what the Lord did is he actually took our sin upon himself so that we could be one with God, so that we could be born again. So why don't give people that opportunity to receive the Lord? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you're in here today and you've never received Christ, what I'd like you to do is just raise your hand where you're at, and I'd love to pray with you right now. Anybody that's watching online, if you want to receive Christ, you can just put a hand emoji in the comments and put yes. But anybody here, if you're not saved or maybe you've walked away from the Lord, you need, you need to rededicate yourself. I want to give you that opportunity. If you raise your hand where you're at. Thank you. Anybody else? This isn't a condemnation. It's a convincing. I don't see anybody else. Do we have anybody online, Michael? Thank you. All right, if everybody would pray this with me, Heavenly Father, thank you that your son Jesus came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose from the dead so that I could receive forgiveness, become your child, and receive the gift of eternal life. I come to you now and repent from my sin. I not only receive your gift of forgiveness, but I give you all my life, all of my heart. I believe you have accepted me because Jesus said in his word, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. You also said, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you for saving me, making me your child, and helping me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.